Hello, I'm uh, Jaina Kothari from the Center for Law and Policy Research, CLPR. Um, CLPR is dedicated to making the Constitution work for everyone through law, policy research, and strategic litigation. Uh, today, I'm really excited to have with us uh, TM Krishna for a conversation on our Constitution. Welcome. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, let me introduce him before we start. Uh, T.M. Krishna is a well-known Carnatic vocalist, a writer, speaker and activist. In 2016, he was awarded the Raman Magsaysay Award for Emergent Leadership for bringing, and I quote, social inclusiveness and culture and for his commitment as an artist and advocate to arts power to heal India's deep social divisions breaking barriers of caste and class to unleash what music has to offer, not for some, but for all. His recent book, Sebastian and Sons, A Brief History of Mridangam Makers, published in 2020, speaks about the history of Mridangam Makers in South India and other parts of the country. Uh, Krishna uses both his art uh, to address issues of inequality around many themes around caste, around trans and LGBTQI rights, and also public education. Thank you for joining us, and I'm really glad to have you with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you so much. So let's start uh, very briefly on some questions, uh, just some freewheeling questions around the Constitution, since we are commemorating the 75th Independence Day. Um, your family was uh, very involved in the Constitution-making process. Your granduncle, T.T. Krishnamachari, uh, was a prominent member of the Constituent Assembly. He was a member of the drafting committee and uh, played, therefore, a very instrumental role in the making of our Constitution. Uh, one of his speeches, he speaks about how social practices, unjust social practices, should be tackled through legislative reform and public mobilization. Uh, did he influence you in any way? Uh, or do you think you had an early introduction to social justice issues or constitutional rights, perhaps because of your family engagement? Neither, actually. That's the truth. Tini uh, <laughs> uh, Prashari passed away, I think, a, day, a year before I was born. I was born in 76, and I think he passed away in 75 or 76. In fact, ironically, uh, actually, I named Krishna after him, by the way. Oh, okay. my <laughs> grandmother... Uh, wanted to name the grandson after a younger brother who was Siddhi Krishnamachari. So I really uh, didn't know much about his work at the Constituent Assembly or, um, you know, uh, or what he said, etc. So I think it's much later that with my, when I started reading the debates and the discussions and of course the books, that I realized the role he played. And not necessarily that I agree with the many mm -hmm. things that he said, I agree partially with some things and some things I don't. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think my consciousness of the Constitution did not come early in life. Like many people in this country, it was that little civics book which has four pages, which is all I read about mm. the Constitution, which had fundamental rights. What are the fundamental rights? Come on, name it. One, two, three, four, five. And in the preamble, you know the words. And you know the highlighted words. You yeah. don't even know what's after the highlighted words. That's the truth. We, everybody knows equality, but they don't know what's coming after that. Or the other highlighted words, for that matter, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's true, right? So that's exactly how my learning of the Constitution was. No different from many people in this country. Uh, I think I, my journey towards the Constitution came from my um, exploration and self-awareness of myself of who I, am, who I am, what is my situation in society, 
my biases, the way I perceive myself, and that's what is around me, the music that I sing. I think that led uh, to this because I think it's important that we realize that there's an interplay of personal or collective transformation with a structural form that allows for that personal or collective transformation. Yeah. Um, you need both to happen, which is why I think what TDK said there is very important because public mobilization, in other words, is public transformation or individual collective transformation. But that, that needs to happen at, in, a, in, a, in a playground that allows for it to happen. Similarly, you just cannot have a structure without anybody, without the work going within that structure for changing. So the courts are not going to find the solutions for you. So I think this, I came to this much later in my life. I came, I came to uh, learning about a baker much later in my life. So it's something that came from, I think, my own uh, search uh, and discomfort with what I was and probably what I am also in some ways. And I think that's how I came to the Constitution. No, thank you. That's uh, really uh, honest and open. And uh, that kind of brings me to the next question that... Um, as you uh, you say that you kind of uh, searched inward, uh, perhaps you could say about uh, you know your book Sebastian and Sons. I read it and I really enjoyed it. Um, and so you know in your in your book you speak very directly about caste inequality, uh, which is really so rare for classical artists um, to speak about because in India we see that the classical arts, whether they're music or dance. Um, are so seeped or, you know, um, uh, in caste and feudal hierarchies. Um, so it's uncommon for classical artists to speak about it. And so what made you address that? Was it an inner kind of search or what else? You know, my first recognition of caste within, uh, within first my own occupation or my own sphere of uh, influence and practice happened uh, maybe when I wrote Southern Music in 2013. So the journey began sometime in 2000, uh, 2002, 2003, maybe. I'm not sure. But, you know, that journey itself was about realizing the complexity of caste. I mean, caste and sound. Uh, you mm. know, something people think of. There's caste and sound. Yeah. Um, there's caste in what you think is a good, good piece of music. Uh, you know, there's caste in what you think looks beautiful. What color is your home? Yeah. Uh, what kind of decoration do you want in your hall? There's caste everywhere. You know, and it's important to realize this isn't, you know, some people think that, you know, if you say it's caste anyway, isn't there, isn't there anything that binds us? Isn't there anything? I mean, I think it is the ethics of living that binds us. And everything else can be different. So we have to be careful. And at the same time, this notion of preference needs to be very deeply investigated. Because even preference is not a level playing field. Yeah. Preference itself is hierarchical. There is there are preferences and there are preferences. We know which are more important, and we know which preference then becomes an aspiration. So it's this is very complicated, ugly kind of scenario. Now, having said all this, the fact is that I forgot the, the makers of the instrument when I wrote a southern music and I wrote an entire chapter on caste in, in Carnatic music, an entire chapter. And I spoke nothing of it. Mm. There's not there's not even a word in it about the Murtanga maker who predominantly are from Dalit communities. It didn't even strike me. And that's the thing about it, right? There are always blind spots with privilege, all kinds mm. of privilege, right? 
There's always something that you do not see. I realized it when I was looking at the book again for the second edition. I looked at the chapter and I, it just popped up. I said, my goodness. And uh, that's when I said, okay, this is something you need to think about. And through a period of time, I thought this is, this is a book that needs to be written about Murakanda Makers. Why? Because it's a very unusual situation. You know, it's important to understand that the Murugangam, unlike many instruments, you can just go to a shop, buy your violin, and after which your relationship with a violin maker is minimal. I mean, it's, it, it is there, but it's minimal. You can change strings yourself. But an instrument like the Murugangam requires servicing regularly, which means there is a place of interaction, which means there's a relationship, which means there is a give and take, and there is, there is a very complicated situation there because the Murugangam player is most likely Brahmin. And the Mridana maker is most likely Dalit. And now this is not just a transactional relationship. It's not like going to a shop and buying a lollipop. You have to sit with the person. You have to work with the person. You have to, have, the, the maker should understand your aesthetic palette, your sound palette. You have to understand the making. Now, in between all this lies this instrument called Mridana. Now, why is it even more complicated? The Mridana is made with cow skin, buffalo skin, and goat skin. Now, that's something a Brahmin does not want to associate with. But then you have to associate. So it's a, such a messy, messy space socially. But yet there is this relationship, and it's a very complicated relationship. So I just felt this is something that needs to be explored. And I, um, I know I worked on it about four years, a lot of field work and you know almost anthropological work for a person who's not trained in history or anthropology or anything for it, for that matter. Uh, it was interesting for me because I was actually acting like. I was just asking questions and learning. And uh, the book came entirely from that, entirely from that. But it's also, the book itself is complicated. Why should an upper class guy with every privilege in the world write that book? Yeah. You could ask me the question, I don't have a correct answer for is that. Is that itself a problem? Yes, it is a problem. But my hope is, first- I'm sure you've received that that response. I'm sure you've oh, yeah, received I, that I response. And I, and I, don't, I'm not, I don't think that's something that you should defend because that's yeah. the truth. It's absolutely the truth. But let's look at other truths. The other truths are nobody even notices among the Dalit community about this little population of few families that are making the brother. That's one truth. The other truth is, can this book be a catalyst, be an amplifier of sorts for the conversation then to remove me or I remove myself from the mm. conversation? That is also a possibility that I'm not willing to say is uh, entirely wrong. I think it's something that it's uh, being an enabler is, is something an ally is something you can do. And I think that that's what the book is, is has done to a large extent. It's allowed conversations between the maker and the player now. It's allowed the makers to speak in a voice that they did not speak before, hopefully. And hopefully they will write their own book and say TM Krishna is all wrong. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. So this was, uh, you know, a very important journey for me. Uh, because I was entering so many different cultures, I was understanding so many different things, different knowledge spaces. Mm. Another thing where discrimination operates is the idea of knowledge. You know, the whole epistemology of knowledge is ridden with discrimination. Uh, every level of it, it has many hierarchies built in. Why wouldn't I ever call the knowledge of the maker knowledge? Whereas the rhythm player is always knowledge. He brim is brimming with the knowledge, right? So. You know, that's why I wrote this book. And I think that, uh, you know, interesting, somebody said, you have no bibliography in this book. Hmm. I said, I don't have any bibliography because the only people I learned from are the makers. Simple. That's the bibliography of the book. The book is my interviews. 
the knowledge comes only yeah. from them simple as that yeah no i i thoroughly enjoyed reading it and me uh, think about the issue of uh, art in india um i learned dance so i've been kind of quite exposed to classical dance and a question that comes up is that should artists um the way you have done take up some of these mes- messy issues um uh, through their um uh, art or through their position as artists we see um a lot of artists like you engaging uh with social issues do you think um this should be something that artists should use their position to do to address or to engage with the constitution i mean let's broaden that up as well absolutely i mean i just don't guess this just art what is just art i mean this is a question that i ask what is this just art i mean art is made in society art is made shared among people um so you're communicating you're sharing in something so what is just art my fundamental point is art sake is reality then art for art sake is has to be connected to reality so even not speaking about reality is a political point yeah so yes i do believe artists need to engage i may not agree with the politics of what they engage now that's possible right we may have huge difference differences of opinion on their somebody's view on politics or society of mind but i think this engagement is essential because you're anyway engaged um and the the bigger problem is when somebody says they're not engaging what they basically mean is they want all the oppressive systems that are there in the world to remain as they are and they remain in the bubble is what they're saying so that's completely unacceptable and acceptable you know the constitution itself i think needs to be seen very differently um it has nothing to do with the courts let's just throw the courts out they're the biggest problem in understanding the constitution Lawyers and judges are the biggest impediments to understanding. Uh, yeah, I I've, I've heard that. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm really saying that. I I don't mean this. I completely understand the ne- you know, I'm not talking about the uh, the application of the constitution or the necessity of of um, judgment etc. You know, but I'm just saying that it's culture, isn't it? The constitution is actually culture. It's actually it's it's about different ways that a certain cultural expression of living uh parts of it we may agree with we disagree with we can argue with we can change it it's also a developing idea of culture so i see the constitution as a cultural idea as an idea of culture and which is why it is has its rubbishes which is why it's going to transform which is why it's it's going to um, be uh, you know be progressive in some ways so i think if you look at it as something that we inhabit or we need to inhabit to be even more mm. clear then i think it becomes something that is that we all share and you know when i said judges and lawyers are problem i'm not talking about the profession or that but i'm just saying the heaviness that comes with that idea that it is somehow locked up in this grand cupboard with with you know with with special locks and special keys or that judges and lawyers are the gatekeepers of the constitution exactly, you know exactly. and that no one else can deal with it yeah exactly, or you know and uh, therefore i think that needs to go i need there needs to be a, there needs to be a cultural transformation you know those words let me just look at the words in the constitution let's forget about every other part even if we just take part 1 to part 4 if a citizen just looks at first four just look at those words there You, they should move you they move you if you read them you should yeah. get goosebumps 
And I mean, I get goosebumps. Yeah. I'm like, wow. I mean, it's it, it's ethics, it's philosophy, it's humanity. It's it's complicated. It's disturbing, maybe if you don't if you don't agree with it. But that's okay, isn't it? And you yeah. know, you have to own that. You have to own that. You have to own that. You have to debate it within yourself. You have to. Have, that has to be a family conversation. That's what the constitution is. It's such a precious gift that we need to grapple with every day and celebrate. And you know, only then it really moves. And you know, if you look at the positive movements that have happened, in look at the years you have fought for it. It shouldn't have taken so many years. Why did it take so many years? Because there is a disconnection between society and what's written in the book. We have to. Uh, revive this connection how do we make it relevant to young people today uh, how, how do they how can we how do you think we can uh, they can relate to it and see and get these goosebumps the way you're you know you're talking about you know I, I mean I, I really think the CA protests were a great moment without without any, any doubt I think they were uh, anti-CIA state protests and were an important moment um, for, for the ideation because uh, the Constitution was on the streets. That was great to see. That people read the preamble on street corners. People read it in, you know, uh, you know, people don't even know the preamble is there. So many languages. Yeah. You know, I started singing the preamble in different languages. I sing it now in Malayalam. I, I sing it in Kannada. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's in Urdu. It's in it's in Hindi. It's in Sanskrit. It's in Marathi. It is. You know, it's there. Everything. And we just need to uh, know. So I'm saying it was great. It got got on the street. I also think. One of the important ways that the constitution can come alive is I think it needs to be unburdened of um, of the piety that's associated mm. with it. Uh, I think young people need to speak about it like they speak about anything else. I mean, which is which is why I think art will play such an important role in it, whether it's visual, whether it's sound, whether it is you know, cartoons, it could be anything, it could be absolutely anything, uh, that these are, it's important that these ideas are not seen to be something, you know, that's out there. You know, you can't make the constitution a deity in a temple. The constitution must be outside the outermost borders yeah. of the temple. That's where it should be, which means it should speak the frontal lingua of everybody. Which means it should speak for and speak with everybody. So I mean, we have to do that. I think songs have a role to play. I think theatre has a role to play. You know, and I think you don't need to know what and what do you want people to know. Let's even think about that. You know, do we do we want them to know every directive principle, every fundamental right, or I mean, do they need to know the relationship of what federalism in India is? I mean, what do we want them to know? Right, that's an important question. Uh, because we can get stuck in the nitty-gritty of yeah. the constitution also. If we want them to just engage with it and be exactly. able to engage with it, you know? The constitution is actually a book of relationships. That's all it is, isn't it? It just tells us different kinds of relationships. And what's the most ethical way of having different relationships? Now, it's not complicated. And if you can just make it a book of relationships, of wonderful relationships, agreeable and disabled relationships, then we are going into the soul of what it is. Because I think that's what we try to create. 
an environment where relationships are have equality there's freedom there is sharing there is there is um, fraternity i mean that is yeah, one of the founding principles fraternity. yeah and they know so i think i think that's that's the soul that we can definitely pass on within every one of those articles and clauses yeah no very very beautifully said and uh, i know you've you it's come out in some of your answers but i'd like to kind of ask you that um, again what does the constitution mean to you uh well i mean uh, you know it's it's something that's that's grown on me, very obviously it's something that's really grown on me um as i look at it again and again uh, you know interestingly i'm working on a book that's about five symbols of india and one of them is the preamble oh okay um so I have been over the last six months. I've been reading much more than I did before, I think. And you know, it's it's really it's it's true. It's truly a very very uh, you know if you really need it and read it with the intentions of what it is. You know, like I said, you may disagree, but that's that's not that's not where I want to go. I mean, it's it's isn't it so marvelous that people came together with a dream and hope of creating a society. that could be good very simply that could be good and they may have got you know they may have had different ways of defining the goodness and i think that's something that's really really hit me hard that it is just the intention behind that constitution that we have yeah. the intention is definitely something that we need to treasure and i and i mean you know if you if you're a person you're religious if you look at everything you believe in certain things anymore it is about creating some structure that provides goodness and it's ultimately the you and i who are, who are there working with it are doing it or not that's where the answer is and ambedkar said something very similar actually and so i think it's the possibility of goodness and increasing the probability of goodness is what really i think uh, touches me quite uh, incredibly every time I, i go through little phrases and little words that you you get the place in certain ways that are said in certain ways not just for legal reasons but actually for very very ethical reasons and they very both well thought up i mean people debated words and formations not just for loopholes and legality but they were actually arguing um ideas arguing ethics arguing morality arguing so many things right so i mean i just wish that you know people will spend maybe one day when they have time just google what the constitution constitutional assembly debates it's all online now you yeah. don't need anybody's help just listen just read those conversations and i think that gives us hope yeah no absolutely and one of the efforts uh, of CLPR has been to uh, kind of deepen these uh, you know ac- uh, deepen access to the constitution and initiate some of these conversations and we have actually a website called constitutionofindia.net where we've made the debates uh, yeah. easily accessible and uh, so you know if we if we have to uh, you know build this engagement in addition to art and music and all that you spoke about him you know the, the protests ignited that uh the preamble was read you know uh, all of that but how else do you think we could um you know create more awareness or kind of engagement with the constitution would you have other i mean i know that all of us in our civic class 
um, just got the bare basics, you know, but what are other suggestions that you may have? I think arts is the way. I think arts are the way uh, they have to be used at every level. Uh, I think important thing is multilingual. Uh, We are not an English country or English speaking country. We need these things to happen in Canada, in Marathi, in Bengali, in Assamese, in whatever language. And I think it has to, you know, when you're young, whatever song you may have hummed or somebody hummed, you still sing it. I mean, you may forget 100 things you learned after that. We should have songs about the ideas mm-hmm. in the Constitution that are taught in schools. It's, I don't care if it's, it's, the child didn't understand a word of what she or he they were singing at that point in time. But they just have to become, you know, I think we, as much as we uh, activists criticize habit as being an oppressive tool, there's also a positive habit that we can create. That they and learn it and then it kind of stays with them, habit. right? Yeah. The habit can work both ways. So I think we need to create a habit of something. And I think constitution, the ideas in constitution is a habit. So it could be rhymes, it could be songs, it could be you know, not just the national anthem. You know, yeah. Because national anthem singing has also become a drill, which, which we all have to do, right? So I'm saying it, it, these are the songs that people sing in school, they learn in the class. Just leave it with them. Those words will remain. Those ideas will remain. And I think, and we have to do this when people, when people are young, they're really young, even before they understand one word of what they say. That's the best time to learn the most beautiful things. Yeah. Because you will keep singing, and as your your apparatus becomes more capable of, of uh, stealing through all the information, those words start coming alive. And then you start understanding it more and more, it grows with you. And I think that's when the human being also grows in a manner that does not happen when it's thrust onto you. Yeah. You know, or forced that you have to do something. So I think we need songs in villages. I think we need I think we need hubs in every town where children in the evening come and you know, because you know, we, we use the word secularism. Most people don't know what that word means. I mean it's such an esoteric term. You know, it can mean so many things if you are in, it depends on which country you are in. So it can be interpreted in so many ways. Now, I can go, you know, intellectually debate secularism as it is understood in constitution, blah, 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 blah. But no, but I want somebody to feel secularism as a habit. Yeah. What can I do? So when we say the constitution needs to reach people, it does not mean that the text needs to reach people. It means its spirit. And the values and the ideas exactly. behind it. Yeah. I think that's what we are discussing. So, if we need to make sure that's communicated in the in, 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 in children, and make sure that it becomes a habit or reflects that you know this othering of, of a person of a different faith cannot become the reflex. So that has become the reflex, and that should worry us. The reflex should be embraced, mm. and that's constitutional, isn't it? If that is embraced, yeah. I don't care if that person doesn't know it's, it's constitutional, but the person is behaving in a manner that is constitutional. So, you know, we have, that is what I think we can do. And we all have a role uh, in doing that. You know, it could be poetry, it could be anything. But I think we need to go to villages, we need to go to district headquarters. That's where things need to happen. No, fabulous. And I hope uh, after this, we uh, find a way to start a project on making some music around the constitution. I think you've already started. Yeah, uh, uh, have a few concerts uh, around it. I'll just sing the first line of the preamble, 
I'm going to sing it. I mean, the one I've sung a lot is in Malayalam, so I'm going to sing the first few lines in Malayalam. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. And I just want to say thank you for being a, a constitution defender. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Such a pleasure. Thanks.